Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast, and we've got an exciting um, episode for you guys today. We're going to go through round 16 of the United Rugby Championship. We're going to have a tour of the rugby world. No more internationals to talk about at the moment, except for the um, Women's Six Nations that started, started this weekend. And then we're going to, at the end, preview the last 16 games for the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. I'm with Sean today, and we are so excited to talk about all of this. Sean, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I Well, sorry, before I pop your question there, um, good. had a good weekend, a bit of ruggers and uh, and managed to get in a braai and a bit of chill time as well, which is always good. But you had a flippin' rad weekend. How was it? Yeah, no, I was at a wedding. Um, I actually want to shout out my friend from high school, Kieran Harris, who, when, you know, in the bride and the groom, um, you know, they do that questionnaire to say which which person is more likely to do this and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, they, they, they were asked which person is more likely to be on social media. And Kieran said, yeah, I'm on social media to support Tala. <laughs> Accurate. So I was like, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, yeah great cool. weekend over in, in Peter Maritzburg. And yeah, I mean, I think... Unfortunately, didn't really catch catch a lot of the rugby this weekend. But yeah, we're going to go through the games. We're going to see what is going on. Not the best weekend for South African URC teams. Only one win and a draw, and two losses in our away trip. But yeah, all set up with all well. Well, the Storm is already qualified, but the other three South African teams are a contention to still qualify for the last eight. So. Sean, I think let's start chronologically with the first game of the weekend, which was the Stormers against what the Blackrock under 16s or Leinster, you know, C team or the Reese Ruddock no, All Stars. That's it. <laughs> the Reese Ruddock All Stars. Sensational chip. <laughs> I loved it. So, yeah, the Stormers drew 22 points all with Leinster. Strong first half. They led um, basically for most of this first half. And then Leinster. Just came back really well, using the win to their advantage, kicking and pinning the Stormers into their half. Seemed like the Stormers weren't really able to handle that, and they were able to get two points from this. So I think this out of the two teams, obviously the Stormers should be more disappointed, given that they played with you know the Springboks are all back. Forgot to mention that all the Springboks came back from their camp now, so all the teams were all the African teams are pretty much at full strength. Leicester didn't have all their um, island players back this weekend. And they, the Stormers also lost the opportunity to win back first place in, in the log. So they'll, if they qualify and they win everything and Leicester wins everything, they'll have to meet Leicester back, at, back in Dublin for the final of the URC. So, Sean, yeah, what, 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 how would you summarize this game? This game could best be summarized as just like it was, it was like a blender. Like the Stormers played well in parts. Um, but, and, and then they, and they really play poorly in others. And really, you know, you look at that score, um, drawing 22 all with Leinster, um, in Dublin and you're thinking, you know, that that's, that's points that they've earned, but the, the reality of it is, is the Stormers really, um, could have won that game and they should have, um, there were, there were a host of very poor kicks, um, that that really cost them like some kicks it was it was i can't even remember any one person um but like there were two or three 
just the players were just making poor kicks. They were just not accurate, and that hurt them. The um the the the, the commentators weren't really talking about it, and we kind of picked it up towards the end of the first half. But it was kind of like, is this going to be enough points for the Stormers to be able to protect the lead? And it turned out not because the the second half performance by Leinster was very much like that um, that Toulouse performance against Sale, if I'm not mistaken, where it was just pumping wind and and um, uh, and and they just basically kicked for the corners, just played boring rugby, kicked for the corners and scored, and then just beat them. So the Leinster just used all their experience and home ground advantage and understanding of of what was happening and just chipped away and sorted out and. It's frustrating because there was a time when the Stormers looked like they were going to win. There was a time where the Stormers looked like they could maybe come back and win it, uh, uh, could maybe come back and force something. And there was a time where the Stormers looked like they were going to lose. So it was very, very frustrating. And and the worst part about it is what this does is this totally reinforces a whole new crop of players <laughs> that are now going to be dealing with, we're going to be dealing with, um, um, probably well, and the club and internet and possibly international level for a few years to come. So, so yeah. So I think I think it's a weird one. Like it, it's they should have won it. They could have lost it, but they drew it. It's just one of those real funny, strange ones. But I think the underlying thing is the guys will walk away from that thinking they they really they really just weren't on their game to win it. Yeah, and it, it did follow mo- the script of most of you know the big Stormers' performances in the last um, well two seasons now. Stormers didn't have you know Stormers conceded um, possession to Leinster. Stormers only had thirty six percent possession, but when they did have possession, they made much many more clean breaks than Leinster did six to one. They so they beat around the same level of defenders beaten. And when you check the tackle stats, Stormers made almost double the tackles that Leinster made, 195 to 109. So the Stormers are a team that don't really mind playing without the ball. You know, they, they're one of those teams that because their attack is so good, you don't perceive them as a team that, you know, kicks more and um, doesn't play with much of the ball. They just want to hit you on the counterattack. And they played that, um, seemed like they, tried, they played at least the structure of that to perfection. It was just that, obviously, number one, Leicester is such a dangerous team. So, you know, if you give them that much ball, you know, they will punish you. And yeah. it seems like just looking at those those stats, like even individually, someone like Ruben van Eerden making 22 tackles. I mean, probably not what you want to do in a one-off game against Leinster. You don't want people making tackles in the 20s to try and beat them because obviously players will tie at some stage. Yeah, and... You know the big thing is is Leinster and Ireland are very much process driven. They're they're like um, they're like the Bulls team when they won Super Rugby a million times. Um, they're like uh, Saracens. They're like a, a, a few like test sides where they they tr- they have had no reason not to trust the process of what they're doing. They haven't been put under pressure long enough or lost a game. In, in the recent fold of with what they're doing. So it's important that you disrupt them. But the biggest thing for me is because they've got now a conveyor belt of, of youngsters coming through that have been groomed under these superstars, but are also trying to kind of stamp their own mark on the game. 
but they know it's like the New Zealand rugby setup. You pull anyone from any NPC side or super rugby side and put them in the all black side. They might not be the better player, but they know what to do and where to do it. Like they're very seldom going to do something off script. And this is what needs to happen with Leinster and Ireland, funny enough, is you need to disrupt them. You need to change up what, what is happening in their world so they start doubting it. But the one thing, and it was highlighted a lot on social media, is the Stormers had an opportunity. It, it, was, it was a swing. It was basically a swing vote to win the game. And they broke away. And Hachifa Diamani broke away down the right-hand side from deep inside his half off, to, off a, a Stephen Kitzel line-out steal, I might add. I mean, like, just put that one in the books. And Diamani is fast. And if it was any other eight in the world, maybe not even Adi Sevilla is faster than him, I don't think. But any other eight in the world would have looked to play a winger. But no one of us, fans and anyone, and and players with was like this there's no ways he's going to get reeled in because he's so fast and he did get reeled in and then he had to play a pass and and Leinster came back and and turned over that ball five minutes from their own line and there were four five guys that chased back that's that's the kind of stuff that is it's the biggest hat tip to the coaches and the management but it's the worst thing for anyone else to see because the the there is so much talent there and they will trust everything explicitly to to go and do it and win. But then they fight like that to go back. That is, there's there's something to be said about a, a players and individuals and a team that does stuff that is not talent related. It's just literally hard work and just that absolute will to chase someone down, and um, you know, like almost like do like chase a, a, a losing cause, and then somehow you manage to to reel it back. So, you know, that's, that was key. That was a key moment in the game, but also um, just something that shows a little, opens a bit of insight into Leinster and what they're doing there and what is happening and what is going on with the youngsters and the guys coming through. So let's maybe look at that moment in particular, because yes, you just described that almost 80 meter breakaway that's almost led to a Suleiman Hartzenberg try. So the first thing, Sean, is Daimani, I think, I guess he was stuck in between, do I try to go it by myself and try to pay for the corner? Or do I try to sort of go inside so I can connect with, you know, the, the one supporting player? I'm wondering if he was maybe better served at trying to go it himself because I think he might have been able to at least, you know, stretch for the corner if he tried to go for it and, and, and hopefully just stretch the defense as well, taking them another step or two away from you know, where they're running from. Because basically the person that caught him was running, or one of the people people that caught him and Hudsonburg was running from the opposite wing, um, you know, and had to sort of make that diagonal run. So I'm wondering if maybe he could have stretched the defense even more by going into the corner. Uh, yes. Um, that's also, that would have been, like in, to say that he would definitely would have scored or not, is, it would have been a gamble. The key thing for me mm. is once he gets that ball, is where does he start running? And there's a couple of reasons. He ran straight down the line. So essentially what he did was now, Hartzenberg had to now change his, his had to move. So there's communication there from Hartzenberg as well. And, and also like, it's not probably not going to happen again because he, he got reeled in. But there's a couple of things. Like if he had run five meters inside, that covering tackle would have, would have hit him on his left shoulder 
and he would have been able to play Hartzenberg on the right and he would have uh, he would have scored almost definitely and I think there's a few things that could have happened like you I don't want to blame anyone because honestly <laughs> 80 meters out if you tell me that um, yeah if you tell me that it's turnover ball so the defense is not even set you tell me it's turnover ball and you're 80 meters out and Diamani's got the ball on the touchline, what's going to happen? I'll be like, he's scoring. And I don't think many people thought that he wouldn't. And I don't think many people thought that the Stormers wouldn't. I think the important thing was how he ran and the reasons behind it. So Hartzenberg could have got more involved. Um, Diamani could have changed his line. You did a couple of things. I'm, I'm not laying blame. I'm just saying there are options. But the other important thing mm. is remember that there were four lengths the defenders chasing back. It wasn't one guy. Yeah, four guys came back. That 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 also changed everything. Because if it was one other guy, if it was two guys, even they would have they would have scored as well. So uh, there's a lot of factors that went wrong. It's almost like the perfect storm for the Stormers, and it just didn't work out. Excuse the pun. Um, but like <laughs> we'd all back Diamani to score there, and we'd all back a combo of Diamani and Hartzenberg to score as well. Like, let's be honest here. Yeah. We've got two of the, the, the fastest and most tackle breaking guys out there. Like, so yeah, it, it's really, it's tough. I, I haven't even really rewatched, like specifically dissected that piece. We watched it enough um, when the game was played and I saw enough, uh, enough highlights and everything of it, but I maybe want to have another look, but I just think, I think it's an unfortunate outcome for the Stormers. I don't, I mean, obviously it, they didn't score. So you could, you, you can say what you want about what should have happened because something should have gone differently in order for them to score. So there's that, but I don't think, uh, I don't think you can really put too much blame on everybody uh, on any single person or collectively for that matter. There's a few things that needed to change, but for me, the big thing was Leinster's four man defensive chase. Yeah, I think it was Rob Russell that did the chase from the other wing. He got he the turnover, really... I think. It was incredible yeah. turnover. He, I mean, it was yeah, perfect. Yeah, he seems to have a great game, eh? Yeah. All of, all of Sardine, eh? Out of nowhere. Oh, well, yeah, he's <laughs> playing at Lancer. We'll show you that he's really good. And we're like, never heard of this guy. And boof, then in there he's everyone and he announces himself. Yeah, that's my now rule with Lancer. They're in that level of clubs, like the Crusaders, that... If you start and play well for Leinster, I just assume you'd probably be decent at test rank. Right? Yeah, if you play for Leinster, you're not shit. <laughs> if you, Pretty much. Oh, yeah, yeah, if you play for Leinster, you're not shit. Don't get your cooks not even here to have a have a moan about it. Fergus Burke had a decent <laughs> game this weekend, to be fair. He did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so, yeah. just on the Stormers finally, I mean, they, obviously they as close to full strength as they have been for a while, but they're still missing, you know, Salman Murat is probably out for the whole season. Um, mm. You've got Evan Russ, obviously the player of the season last season, he's still fight, coming back from injury. Right now, if I'm not mistaken, it's relatively short term. He probably is back on Saturday, but he would have been great in the midfield. Maybe, yeah, do you think those would have made a difference? Maybe getting Willemse to play at fullback, just helping with the, the options for the kicking game. And yeah, maybe closer also to help um, Lebok with just managing the game in the second half. And obviously the carrying ability of Ruiz at, at eight, we, we all know how great he is. And, and um, Murat's um, work rate and just clearing those racks as well. Maybe those ingredients were missing. Um, so I, 
I don't think you lose a hell of a lot by having Daimani at eight. Uh, I, re- mm. I don't think, like, obviously, Ruiz, I mean, and a lot of people think he's better, and it's a bit of a, a coin toss, and, but Ruiz is the URC player of the year, book, et cetera. So, uh, but I don't think you're losing a hell of a lot. The one thing I will say is BJ Dixon is very, very quietly putting in mammoth performances week in and week out. Uh, I'm super impressed. His defense has been he's been huge, but I digress. Willemse, Willemse was very, very quiet. And it, this is the thing that comes with Damien Willemse is we're like, you'll have it. Like he, he plays 10 for the box and you're like, no, you know, he's a good backup 10, but he's not a 10. Then everyone's like, 12 is his place. 12 is his place. He must play 12. Then he plays 12 and he was very quiet this weekend. And then I've, I saw people were like, no, it, he, 12 is not his position. He must play 15. So it's a it's a tough one. I think the Springboks coming back also is challenging because I think they were really put through the ringer <laughs> for the last month or right. two or two or three weeks or whatever. So you, we'll get onto the Sharks, but I mean, guys just didn't look the best. So you know they've got to get back. They've got to reintegrate um, stuff like that. It shouldn't have been as hard for the Storm as I did expect more from from them, to be honest. Blomikis was, um, was, again, same, same, but different. No, no, that's not fair. He, um, he was good and he was bad in a, in a number of places. Like, no one really stood out in the back line. And I think the Leinster defense really did well to cut them off. But with Lubbock and Willemse 10-12, you would have expected a bit more. For me, Ruan Null is, is key. He's key because what he will do yeah. is he will move Willemse probably to 15 again. Um, and obviously, Ruan Null is vital. Dan Duplessis is having a great season. Um, Paul Devetu, I'm a massive fan of, and I thought was has been incredible. Didn't have a great game, but then Yanchis came on and was was better, but not better. Like, everyone was really average. There wasn't a player. Dixon possibly, just because of his work rate. Um, Dixon possibly, and maybe, and maybe the props because they do a lot of stuff we don't see. Um, and Van Heerden. Other than that, yeah. everyone was pretty average. Like, like average. Like, not, not shit, not good. Like, they, were, they had some shit moments and they had some great moments, but as a whole, they were, no one really, really, really jumped up and said, I'm taking this game on. Yeah, I think that probably describes it quite well. And yeah, I think maybe in some ways, and we'll, we're literally going to go to the, the Sharks on the next game, I think maybe just reintegrating, you know, the Springboks in some ways hindered the South African teams more than it helped them this weekend's games because they didn't really seem to be, you know, firing at all cylinders as they would. But looking at the Stormers and their position in the log, they're pretty much, they, they've qualified for the URC um, knockouts. So there's no doubt about that. They've also qualified to have at least one home URC knockout game, but... They have Ulster right on their tail and two points behind them for the second for second place. Even Glasgow can get ahead of them in those last two games. They do, though, have um, Munster and Benetton to look forward to at home. Munster's obviously fighting to, to stay in the top eight. Benetton's trying to get into the top eight as well. So though they won't be easy games, but two games that the Stormers will probably um, bank on winning. So... Stormers should be should have enough at least to try and secure second place, but they'll 
hopefully they, they if, if Ulster and Glasgow win the, both of their matches, they, they might be put under pressure to win both of those mm. games as well. And mm. Obviously, we're going to talk later about the European the European games that are happening in the next few weeks. So Stormers aren't really, they, they, they're almost at the place that they want to be, but they aren't really home and host yet. They, I think if they could have converted this uh, match into a win and the match against Cardiff into a win because they have two draws this season, those those two matches having two wins there puts them at 65 points and pretty much home and host for um, second place. So almost, almost there for the Storms. Yeah, they they were looking like they were going to cruise second. And as you've highlighted, they, they were going to be under pressure. They're going to rue this performance. Um, they will. Um, whether they finish second or not, I think they're going to look back at this as one of those things. There's, it's very important to go there and win. It doesn't matter who, which lens decide you beat. Um, people talk about it and say it's the, the Reese Ruddock uh, All-Stars and, and you know the second stringers and blah, blah, blah. But you, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's, it's like beating Marty's at Donnie Craven. You, it doesn't matter who you played. You know, like I, I don't care if all the guys were off um, for whatever reason. You you want to you want to beat them there, and that changes the way you you look at things and how you address it the next time. The next time you step into that onto onto that field, like you've got different emotions. Mm-hmm. Now their uh, their gut feel when they got there was like we really left like points behind, <laughs> and uh, and now we're facing a different side. We've got different focuses, but it's always going to be in the back of their head. Whereas the Leinster youngsters are going to be there. Some of them will be involved. Some of them won't be involved. But, you know, they'll be like, shit, we really did what we were supposed to do. And the big boys come back and they're like, our fortress is still standing because of the youngsters. So, you know, they like, we can't waste this now. We can't waste what they did They did while we were away on island duty. Sean, do you rate the, 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 the big boys as you called them? They watched this game on Saturday or were they still nursing, you know, the epic hangovers they had from the Six Nations celebrations? They definitely watched it. They might have watched it with a little <laughs> bit of haze, a little bit of partly cloudy, but um, I'm I'm sure they watched it. I'm sure that they they'll all be involved in the in the pre match or post match chatting about it. Or yeah, they they'll be involved. They'll they would have been involved. Imagine possibly all together watching it, having a couple of pints Guinness, <laughs> couple of thousand. No, I, I'm sure they did. But also Leicester's within the story for qualification for the second teams because they're taking the they're going to be on tour, um, facing the the Bulls and the Lions. So they're having a high felt tour, and now this win basically assures them that they'll probably you know the Reese All Stars will have a, a nice tour of South Africa for the next few weeks. So the Bulls and Lions, I guess the good news for them is that they get um not you know the 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 four yes. Irish team to play against them, but. As this result shows, this is not going to be an easy win for either of those teams to to try and get there. So they it's they good. have to play their best to beat them. Yeah, it's good for us and for the Bulls and Lions short term. For long term, it's not because those are the guys <laughs> we're going to be facing in three years' time, two years' time. You know, they they're yeah. going to have the experience of travel. <laughs> but uh, we also have to look at the now and 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 right and and yes. What it does is it means that Leinster are not going to be full strength for any other game that is not a knockout. So the knockouts they'll be full strength. I even reckon they'll 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 be a little bit more rest or they'll probably integrate the guys in who won't come in in one foul swoop, even for the knockouts, I don't think. But we'll see. 
but it's great. It's great that Leinster are, you would expect them to be dropping points, um, and which essentially means that South African sides are gaining them, which is huge. And then quick news from the Leinster side, news that they don't want to hear, but Johnny Sexton seemingly ruled out for the rest of the domestic season. He has a groin injury. He's going to go into surgery tomorrow. We wish him all the best, of course. But yeah, it's, it's, it's surgery as well. But yeah, it sounds like for all intents and purposes, he's played his last game for Leinster. I wouldn't rule him out, rule him out coming back for a Champions Cup final. I think he'd be mad enough to try and do something like that. But yeah, I'm sure Andy Farrell will, you know, restrain him with all sorts of chains and locks to try and stop him from, you know, hurting himself even more. So Sexton won't at least feature for the next few weeks at the very, very least. But yeah, I you've heard it here first. If he comes back for a URC final against the Stormers or a Champions Cup final, maybe against the Stormers as well, I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, groin, groins are not great, but they're operating, which is... It's, it means that they think that they've got enough time to get him back. So, so yeah, I mean, we obviously don't want him to yeah. miss out on the remainder of the season from his personal and Lens's point of view, but also miss out on the World Cup for Ireland. I mean, this this is it for, for Sexton, you know, mostly. Yeah, it seems like it's one of those decisions made for the World Cup to go, look, you lose him short term, but he's going to be 100% fresh in September. <laughs> Our friend of the show, Rian Amlo, who obviously was on the show a few weeks ago, he replied to that tweet saying, that was absolute lies. He's on holiday in Bali right now. Exactly. But to if, if we're honest with ourselves, Leinster are not as weak with, without Johnny Sexton as they used to be. And yeah. it's not saying that he's got worse. Less. He's not saying that he's got worse. It's just everyone around is is bet, is is a better player. They don't. They're starting to realize they can't rely on him the whole time. So when he puts the hammer mm-hmm. down, you can see it. But they can manage without him easily. Yeah. So let's move on to our other our other um, Springbok laden team, the Sharks, and they yeah had a bit of a shocking loss um, to to Scarlets this weekend, losing thirty two points to twenty. We Sean, I think you introduced at least some of the issues there in talking about the reintroduction of the Springboks. But yeah, it, it just did not happen for the Sharks. It was sort of back to the issues that we had with um, in, the, in the Sean Everett era with just an inability for the Sharks to play near their best when they've got all their players playing together and, and, and having a bit of a confusion of what kind of game plan they're playing. Scarlet's on a great run. They've uh, yeah, a lot of people shouting on their Twitter about that, that they've won, I think, six of their last seven games, and they are pretty much the form team of the URC right now. But, I mean, the Sharks should expect to beat them or at least get a lot closer than they did, um, especially with their full-strength team in the back. Sean, yeah, I mean, should we just pop in what, what we've been saying in the last two years about the Sharks after their losses? It's, is it pretty much same old, same old? Yeah, interesting. I I just want to touch on Scarlets. Scarlets have been bothering me and I've been keeping an eye on them for a little while and there's three names I'm going to mention and they are literally tearing down trees. It's Via Fafita, Sam Lassi, and Sione mm. Calamophoni. Those three together yeah. have been immense. But, you know, onto, onto the Sharks, it, it, 
I don't even think you need to dive deeper into it and try and find other other things that have gone wrong. It it, it is it's a case of the Springboks have come back or uh, the first choice side have come back and um they are they're just a little bit rusty and they have not connected. And it was clear that they hadn't connected. They've traveled, you you know, when you look at it like front row, Chair and Bonambi Detoy. You know, Locks, Etzebeth, Van Heerden, Lustria, Kulisi, Chituka, Butelezi. Like, we've seen them destroy sites, and they just didn't didn't connect. Hendrickson, Bosch, 9 and 10, Sosa, Mapimpi tried really hard. Jans van Rensburg, Lukanya Arm, Vanakok, Butzer Chamberlain. Like, this all makes sense to us, and it all, make, it all looks like a win, you know? And if you look at the bench, I mean, <laughs> Van Fieren, Mchunu, Saadi Krobla, Notche, Williams, Tapuai, and Abrams. Like, they've got it. They've got it. They just didn't bring it. And I actually replied to a tweet on Saturday where it was, a, where it was mentioned the Sharks should have rested their spring box. They, would, they are 10 weeks of, um, of being awful. 10 matches or, or something. No, maybe it's not that much. Four or five weeks or whatever. I don't care. Whatever the number was of not being there. I should have rested them there and not flown them around the world and they would have been fine for Saturday. The way I look at it was like <laughs> bash the rest of the team in, in the URC. And then you want to, you've got to pick one and, and, and the URC came first. Like they had to have won this URC game. So if they sent a, a second string side and they got beaten, everyone would be would be wanting to murder and cause shit because the sharks are in trouble. So I think they needed to do it. I think they needed to put this the guys in. They need to say, cool, everyone's back down to earth. Well done. Have your have your rest few days. We're flying back home. We've got some big stuff coming on uh, on Saturday in the Champions Cup. Yeah, and I think that brings us to mentioning the lock position for the Sharks right now because, as you've said, Sean, they don't really have the luxury of picking and choosing their battles in the URC because they are in a very precarious position. So the Sharks currently are at eighth, um, which is good in terms of the URC knockouts, as we know. So let me just describe what, the position for them at eighth. So they've got 41 points. You know, above them, they are still within reach of Connacht, um, the Bulls, and Munster in, in fifth, sixth, and seventh. Uh, Munster going on a South African tour. They're facing the Sharks themselves in one of those matches, so they can make up points there. Connacht is also um, two, two points ahead of them and the Bulls as well. And below them, the chasing pack are Benetton, a point behind, Cardiff, two points behind, the Lions. <laughs> three points behind and even Ospreys could fancy themselves and Scarlet themselves in the 12th and 13th. But what's more important for the Sharks is if the log stays as it is, then because there isn't a Welsh team in the top eight, that means that the, the top Welsh team, which is part of at the moment, would replace the Sharks as one of the participants in the URC. I mean, in the Champions Cup um, for next season, which means that your Sia Colises, your Ibn Etzebets are going to be playing in Zebre and no. in no, 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 Bath no, no, no. and all those crazy no, places. In the no, you got, it, you got it all wrong. The Sharks are going to win the Champions Cup, so they don't need that eighth place. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, there is a, a interesting um, situation where because I think it's the Sharks and 
you know, let's say Benetton, there could be a situation where you have the top seven, you have the Sharks win the, the Champions Cup at eight, and then Benetton or whoever winning the Ch- Challenge Cup at ninth, which means they both automatically qualify for the Champions Cup, which means that there'll be some shenanigans where possibly the seventh place team, the Bulls in this case, would be not qualifying for the US, for the Champions Cup. So, yeah, there's there's a few calculators and permutations that we all have to be aware of. But yeah, basically the Sharks are in a very precarious position right now. That means that every game from now, from this weekend against Munster until the end of the season is a must-win game for them. Can, can I just, something that I've just picked up and, oh, so the Sharks are, I mean, we know a whole logs, how logs work and all that. The Sharks are the first side that have a negative points difference. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. The Bulls are plus 44, Karach are plus 13, but the Sharks, who are in eighth, currently are minus four. They got a minus four points difference. And then everyone <laughs> else below them, all minus. No, man. This is cuck. No, that's definitely the way to describe it. But it shows, I mean, the Sharks have eight wins and eight losses. Um, it just shows how Jekyll and Hyde they've been this season. That there's been times where it looks like, oh, okay, something's happening here. Or we've waxed lyrical about the Sharks, um, you know, in the few months before this, when um, Neil Powell came onto the scene. But they had a horrible start, of course, with Everett, which was the reason why he was fired. And they just, I mean, you know, they, they had that the, the, the games over the Six Nations which they didn't win at home. And now, look, they, they've lost this game now in Wales. So they've just gone from a place where it looked like, okay, they're going to be fine. They'll be in that sixth, seventh, or fifth, sixth um, area in the log and, you know, can still, you know, cause some, cause some issues for teams to now a place where they're hanging on by a thread to try and qualify for the Champions Cup next season. But you know, the Bulls in seventh, the Sharks in eighth, Benetton in ninth, uh, Cardiff in tenth, and the Lions in eleven have all played eight and lost eight. It's mm. it's a bun fight, but we expected more. The irony, when looking back now, in hindsight, we'll look back. The Sharks more so, but the Sharks and the Bulls probably we probably would have done better with everything if the Sharks and the Bulls were playing in the Challenge Cup this year. Yeah. We've, we've, we've spread ourselves thin. We, we, the thing is, is, as South Africans, this is new, and we highlighted it moving forward, uh, moving into this, this space, um, especially moving into the European, um, the first time European competition, which is this year, is our sides need to learn how to balance. We need to pick our fights. We, you... You yeah. very it takes it takes a lot to win Europe and domestic. It takes a lot. Mm-hmm. You've got to pick something. Um, your first and foremost, your your choice should be to be v- challenging and be in the knockouts of your domestic and qualify for the Champions Cup in that way. And then you go to the Champions Cup, and once you get there, you can start balancing things out because I know there was a lot of a lot of talk when when Leinster sent. Um, like a couple of RSIs have sent some some makeshift teams in inverted commas. Yeah. But there's reasons behind that. One is you get to blood youngsters and and the other is you get to balance and, and you get to sort stuff out. You've got to pick fights. But you have to, you can't be in a position the Sharks and the Bulls in, are in now because you can't pick a fight then. 
You have to, the, the Bulls and the Sharks should have won this weekend, which would have allowed them to pick, to pick up this, this, um, the round of 16 competition this weekend coming and, and, and had a free go at it. Now they're in a position where they're like, they probably need to kind of put all the eggs in the URC basket and, mm-hmm. and go and win and qualify for the Champions Cup next year because you have to qualify for it to make more money. But sometimes you can't just win it all, you know? Yeah, and Leo Cullen, um, the, the, the coach at Leinster, made this point exactly this time last year when Leinster did, as you say, seem to be like, we sat at All Stars to South Africa last year, and it's proven to be a cropper for the teams. I mean, yeah, I, I, you can say maybe the Stormers haven't necessarily rested their players as much as you know the Sharks have tried to, but and the Bulls have been trying to play with two squads, but it hasn't really you know served them well because they've they've still struggled to get the wins. But yeah, I think it's it's quite clear that. Now the Sharks are in a situation where every Saturday is a big Saturday. And, you know, it might, arguably, some might say, it might actually serve them well to fall out of the Champions Cup as quick as possible to try and win those last two games. But again, arguably, like Sean has mentioned, this might be their best route into the Champions Cup next season to win the whole thing. But as we know, that won't be an easy task, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Then finally, Sean, I mean... We will talk about sort of the Munster game in particular, but any, I mean, you read out that 23 and it's a pretty scary 23 um, for the shots. Are there any changes that you would make to it for the upcoming game? Or do you think it's a case of stick with the same team? It'll hopefully bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I... I... <laughs> I just yeah, I wouldn't mind starting Williams, but I, <laughs> I think that's more like a favoritism thing. Uh, Jaden is Hendrix is is probably is by far the bit, better nine of the two, but they do offer something completely different. And uh, when any nine isn't working, it it shows. So you know, there, there's that. I um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make any changes. I think they are strong yeah. enough and good enough and they're mature enough to know that they really just didn't, they just really didn't represent against Scarlets. And they're going home now. They, the fans have been frustrated. We, the, the fans saw uh, the breaking of a new dawn when, um, when Neil Powell got involved and now it's gone back to frustration, frustrating times with losses. They expect more. Um, I don't think it was ever a quick fix. Uh, I, I'm, like I said a while ago, let's just wait for preseason next year and see what happens. But they've got to get through the season first. So I think it's just a case of every single one of the players have to reflect about what they're doing and how they're doing it, and they've got to pull together. And to be honest, with <laughs> with the personnel they've got there, they can totally – like. They, that's the kind of team that could probably put 30 or 40 on a Champions Cup side in the next two weeks. Like, they, they've, they've got then, that, you know? And then lose to Zebra the next week. <laughs> Don't even start that shit. <laughs> but let's move to the next game. Well, we'll let's maybe end on a good note. So let's move to the Bulls losing to Ulster. Uh, winning Ulster won 32 points to 23. 
quite clear from the start of the game that you know Alster was sort of the team ahead. And yeah, Bulls. Yeah, the, the the main thing that I saw on, on on social media was you know the Bulls have just been horrible travelers throughout the season, and they possibly didn't get the rap of the green with some of the decisions made um, on, on the field by the officiating team. But we won't really focus too much on that. Um, but it's just been a continuation of a theme for the Bulls that it's a completely different side that plays in Loftus versus the side that goes away overseas. And I think they've felt almost the brunt of maybe the, the, the traveling maybe conditions that the second teams have a lot more than the other teams have because they've really struggled to put in good performances away from home. Well, your beloved Bulls are also four losses in a row at Loftus in Curry Cup and, mm. and, and URC. Their last four games, they lost. Like, they're, they're also kind of circling around the drain. There's, there's problems there. I tell you, for Ulster, the two players, the starting players that had two on their back, Tom Stewart and Stuart Moore, were flipping immense. But anyway, so was, uh, so was Jacob Stockdale, to be fair. But, yeah, man, like... I expected I expected them to to do better. For Mark and Nokia got like involved and were were really putting in a lot of work. Marco van Staden was was like in that shit good category of like, you know, he did some good stuff and there was some bad stuff. Carl Brink was there. Ulrich Lowe was was really trying hard. Um Berger and Smith were so so. Forster and Hendricks. So I actually thought about it this weekend and it really pains me, but Cornell Hendricks, his form or him as a player has changed since last year. Um, we're not talking about him as much anymore. Doesn't matter whether he's playing on the wing or in the midfield. Like it, yeah, he he's something's going on there. And I don't know if it's a constant changing of everything. I think everyone's not working. But the one shining light was Moody and and Aronso were were great together. But they were great yeah. together on attack and open play, which is we know is like their bread and butter. But then everywhere else, it was there and thereabouts. So, yeah, it was tough. I think Bismarck got a really shitty yellow card. Um, you mm. know, it was really like, it's hard to look at that and, and justify like a call was made, the right call. But, yeah, yeah, that was can a I, poor can decision. Can I say very quickly something? Can I say very quickly? It seemed like it was um, riffed on, 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 on results, on obviously Burns staying down and the whiplash more so than Bismarck. I mean, yeah, it was a bit of a cheap shot from Bismarck, to be fair. I think he saw number 10 in a prone position and his eyes lit up. But it was below the, the next shoulder area. I think at worst, that's maybe a penalty, but it shouldn't have necessarily been going into more sanction there. It's, if he was like, it's reckless and therefore dangerous, even though you didn't make contact, we're going to give you a yellow card, there would have been shit, but we'd understand it. But the reason for his yellow card was not on, like, mm. what they said. So I think it was a case of, like, we want to give him a yellow card and they'd got the wording wrong. Uh, we want to give him a yellow card for what had happened because it wasn't the right, uh, the right shot. But, yeah, I don't – I'm trying to look back, think back now. I don't even think – like, I don't even think it was a yellow card worthy. I think it was penalty at most. Um, but, yeah, ugh, yeah, is what it is. Like – the loss wasn't because of that. <laughs> you know, that's the one important thing you need to look at. Like there were a few things mm-hmm. that 
there were guys who were highlighting because South Africans, well, to to be honest, any team that loses a game that you thought you were competitive in uh, or that you were going to be competitive in, you'll find a reason to find out like little things. So yeah, the, the Bulls were were not at the races. Um, that's like, if you're honest with yourself, like even if they'd won the game because of some of those calls, you'd know deep down that they really, they were lucky, very lucky to win that game if they did. So I think that's the most important thing. And again, the Bulls are going to now do some work. I mean, they're a way to, to lose this weekend, are they not? Um, same, very small squad. Yes. Um, uh, not very small squad, but they've taken, yeah, it's a small-ish squad for, for the two weeks. I think they were banking on getting a point or two out of this game. I don't think they are planning on, on anything, on advancing after Toulouse. Um, I think as... <laughs> not really. Like, uh, it's hard. Like, you want to be positive and 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 you want to be like listen we're in with a shot like we deserve to be here but then you look at what's happening and jake white has been the most outspoken about this he's been the most clear um on what on what it is what is required to win and be competitive domestically and in europe and he's mm. also very much been like we've got to pick our, our races to run so I think that is why they took that small squad. I think they were like, cool, first game up Ulster. We want you to get points. If you don't get points, we're under pressure, but it's okay. We're going to go with the similar same game plan. We're going to be, we, we want to obviously win. We want to beat Toulouse. We're going to, they, they are going to go out. They're not going to go out to lose. They're going to go out to win and to push them hard. If you can get Toulouse to, to be off kilter and then you're in with the shot, then go and win, obviously. But if they don't win this game, no one is going to say, you know, this Bulls team is shit. Like it's Toulouse and it's in France and it's the Bulls side that have been struggling. But then the Bulls really have to really get their shit together for the rest of the URC. Like that's the same as the Sharks. Like do whatever you want in Europe. But the URC is where where it all is. Mm. Yeah, so the the Bulls, I mean, copy-paste what I said about the Sharks in their lock position. They're just slightly ahead of the Sharks at 43 points. But they also ultimately have to basically try and win those last two games. They are facing, I guess, good news for them as opposed to the Sharks. The Sharks have quite difficult games against um, Munster and Benetton um, at home. But the Bulls have, you know, the Ristratic All-Stars who are not... You know, not an easy game, but also not a tough game. And Zebra at home, I mean, those two double header games that are going to be happening in the high field. So they should, more so than the Sharks, they should be fancying their chances of getting two wins from that. And two wins will probably secure them, secure them uh, into the top seven, which is what they need for um, Champions Cup qualification. So they, yeah, they, they can't drop those two games. I think, as you said, Sean, no one's going to really fret too much if they lose to Toulouse this weekend. Like, you know, as long as the performance is decent, like, no one's going to have too much to say about that. Toulouse is Toulouse. But those next two games, if they don't manage to get the, the, the points against Leinster and Zebra and are, you know, in that precarious eighth position or even lower, that's going to be a big bit of a fail for the season. And, yeah, I guess... And AP Cronier, obviously another Bulls fan and friend of the show, he, I think, summarized the Bulls season quite well. They probably overachieved last year and they're definitely underachieving this year. Yes. Um, 
that's I actually also I'll read that. That's a great it's a great summary. You know, this is also it's really hard for fans of a side, especially the Bulls who've been so successful in Super Rugby, and we all looked at going to Europe for a long time as 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 a subpar competition. Then the Stormers go and win it last year and the Bull beat the Bulls in the final. Um, you know, we're thinking, cool, we've got this. And then we were all led into this false sense of security. And this is still a learning curve. But we fans do not subscribe to that. We are fans are we're not <laughs> like cool. You get like you get some time. Like like um the sharks. They were like, okay, cool, Neil Powell's in. Fix it. Boom, fixed now. And it's not <laughs> happening. Neil Powell, Neil Powell's like, I'm director of rugby. I'll go in and coach. But let's be honest, he's not a 15-a-side coach or an experienced one. So hopefully Plum comes back, but he's looking at bolstering up everything. So he's no doubt secured a freebie until the end of the season. But And, and so that's possibly disrespectful. I think you can't judge him on this season, no matter what happens. But he'll be yeah. under pressure next season, no matter what, because of his squad, because of what has happened and what is expected of him. Fans... He's using this to learn. He's learning stuff that Dobson and Jake White learned last year and this year. So, like, there could be a rocky road for the Sharks moving forward. Um, but, yeah, the, the fans don't – there's no freebies. You want to win. The guys at Loftus want to win all the time. They've lost four in a row. Like, then they go and lose to Ulster. Okay, like, let's be honest. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, it's a bullside you want them to win. They got to lose, but then you're right. When they come back home, they need to they need to get those turnstiles ringing over. Not not with the with the opposition running through their defence, with the fans coming back and drinking copious <laughs> amounts of brandy and coke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Willem Strauss will make sure that 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 is the case as well for those two double headers. Um, let's move to the shining light of the weekend from a South African perspective, which is Who our Emirates Lions. They who would have thought? <laughs> they Who would have thought? Crazy if you look enough, eight wins and eight losses, same as the Sharks and the Storm and the Bulls right now. Only five points behind the Bulls, and within splitting distance of you know qualifying for the URC knockouts and qualifying for the big table at, at Europe. All this, all doing this while eating hot dogs on tour. Exactly, exactly, and like, <laughs> and who would have thought? If I told you there was one South African side that won in the URC this weekend, just one, you would never, never, ever <laughs> have said it was the Lions. Like, have we been, mm. like, transported back to, what was it, 2017? When, 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 when were the Lions yeah. killing it in Super Rugby? 2016, yeah. Yeah, like, that was, that, was, that was when it happened. But... Other than that, the Lions have always been there and thereabouts, but below the big boys, with respect. And now the Lions are like, yeah, screw you guys, we'll show you. Hot dogs and people coming in and looking at us naked in, in the showers. But, you know, like, it is what it is. They're going out and performing, so that's brilliant. And then it was me, I must put my hand up, it was me that sent out that tweet that asked how the Storms, <laughs> Bulls, and Sharks fans were feeling Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the Lions were like, screw you, buddy, we'll show you. And then, like, I didn't even <laughs> ask how the Lions were feeling. Meanwhile, the Lions are like, bah, well, this, is a, this is a cakewalk. 
Yeah, you probably provided their their motivation there, Sean, which is, I mean, good at least in in, in perspective. But yeah, as we said earlier, like the Benton went ahead in the first half. It seemed like they they actually had this game sewn up. Um, just judging by their performance in the first half, I think they're leading twenty one points to ten at some stage, and then the Lions through a you know five or almost five to ten minutes um, period. With tries from Chituka, two tries from Chituka and one from Makane, they just said, no, we're taking this game back and we're going to win this game. And they're able to, you know, to 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 overcome um, Benetton, 32 points to 28. You know, um, as for the people that listened to Rian Lowe's um, uh, episode when he was a guest, he talked um, a lot and sang the, the, the praises of Frankie Horn. And I think Frankie Horn... The more, the more I'm looking at, the more I realize that Frankie Horn is probably the key player for the Lions right now. He seems to be the one that puts everything together. There's a lot of balance to that loose trio of Chituka and Fenter as well. If he plays, and if he plays well, it seems like the Lions will play well. I wonder, I'm sure that there'll be some form of stat that says that the Lions are like 8-4 and four with Frankie Horn playing that are not 8-4 when Frankie Horn's not playing. Yeah, he, he's good. Um... The Lions, I mean, they scored three tries in seven minutes to completely flip the game on the head. Um, and the one thing about the Lions, when they got their tails up, it's it's awesome. They play, you know. Mm. Um, so it was great. I think an, an unsung hero and someone that everyone has been waiting to put in a big performance and there's been injuries right. and whatnot, but 77 minutes from Willem Alberts, the bone collector, that, mm. that was was needed it was needed he he played 77 minutes not because they planned it <laughs> because they needed him and i yeah it was it was good i'm still a little bit um i, I think yeah I, I i'm not so sure about russ at 13 um mm. I, I don't know I, i'm not i'm not convinced i think i probably would like to see um something else but it's really hard to tell a team that they didn't play well when they won, you know, or tell an individual they didn't play well in a team when they won. So I, that was the only thing that, I mean, I more, I think it's probably more to, um, to, to look back and get maybe watching more myself and get people's opinion on it. But yeah, good. Eh? Like they, I, <laughs> I just didn't see it coming for a while. And then those three tries changed everything. But I, I will say that the Rabs try, I thought they they destroyed it. I thought they pooed it. Like I really did. There was there was a. In fact, was it Horn? It was Horn that was running that line. What's yes. the cameraman's name? You told me. Earlier. Oh, let's get the name of the cameraman. We. Oh, it's a uh, legend. Uh, we, well, his name needs to be spoken. Please delay me a little. Like go on, so I can. Oh, oh. so I, I tell you, I the, firstly we'll we'll share that we'll share this tribe because the cameraman running the touchline, you get to see an and and before and before and and not yet seen angle of of rugby that we we're not used to seeing, but I really thought Horn. So Horn is he's broken down the down the side. He's got options left and right, and he puts in a dummy kind of step or was it a step I can't remember and he beats he beats a defender I'm like awesome mm. you've got to play fast man now you have to play a fast man and then he freaking does it again he steps 
someone and I'm thinking <laughs> I literally I was pulling my hair out going I can't believe we've you've you've you, you've destroyed a, you've got two men on your inside and they're both backs and you've got a one back on your outside and for before he did that second step I thought he couldn't play Rabs on the right because I, I didn't think he had the I didn't think he had the run and then he's gone and stepped him and then offloaded and Rabs has just cruised in because he had nothing to do <laughs> before that he had to beat players I couldn't believe it. I, th- I really thought he destroyed it. And the best part is we have the most unbelievable footage of it. But sure, you must watch it from all the angles. Watch it from the top. Watch it from the sideline. But it was incredible. What a run. Yeah. So the cameraman's name is Andreas Gialpi. Legend. I'm it right. Yeah, Night him. I think he's Night him. given the keys to the city. Perform of the weekend. <laughs> perform of the weekend for Benetton right there. Um, yeah, yeah, just keep the camera angle, then just the ability and the pace to keep up with. I mean, Frankie Horn's obviously not, he's not a wing, but he's, he's not, not, he's not he's slow. A, he's a professional he's, athlete. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> it, looked, it looked like, it almost looked like there was a drone, <laughs> like someone was flying a drone yes. behind, behind play. That's, that's the kind of thing you're like. I also thought of that when I saw that, I was like, holy smokes, this guy, He's not just running, he's running with the camera. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ridiculous. What? Absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, and it's it's put the Lions in a very interesting position in there in the log as well. So as as I've said earlier, they're also in that fight for the last few places in the in the champion oh, well for the Champions Cup qualification. Only three points behind the sharks for um Qualification for the for um, for for the top eight, Champions and Cup. then five points behind the Bulls for the Champions Cup qualification. So they've got two matches as well. They're facing the same opponents as the Bulls, which is Leinster and Zebra. So obviously, one way for them to improve is to try and match the Bulls or better the Bulls' results, so they can sort of keep up with them. But with the fact that you know Benetton is one of the teams traveling, and they're ahead of them. The Sharks are obviously facing some of those teams. You know, there's going to be some movement that if the Lions play their cards right and they win two matches that, in all honesty, they should win, they, they could put themselves in a position where they're the, they're the guest in the party that no one expected for. Um, <laughs> as, as Sean said earlier, we didn't even really expect them to be, you know, in this conversation. But here they are, and they're still staying in, in this party for as long as possible. So do you, do you see the very trend? interesting opportunity do you see the trend? The same thing happened last year with the Stormers. We, <laughs> think about it. We didn't see the Stormers, but probably the first half of the season, we didn't see, we, we were like, the Stormers might get relegated from a competition that has no relegation. That's, that's how bad they looked. <laughs> then they went on and went on the greatest run ever, but it wasn't a fluky run. They dominated and they cooked and then mm. this won. And now the Lions, Hello. Just saying. They're still, yeah, they're well within the, the competition there. And, I mean, and maybe let's start now by talking about the, the European matches to come. So, on the Challenge Cup side, we have the Lions facing... Um, Racing. Having a big match uh, on Saturday facing Racing at, um, at home. You know, I'm sure Cooks will make sure one if that team is dropped and they see that Finn Russell's playing, he'll make sure that he's there. Um, yes. But given now, <clears throat> given this opportunity for them to 
possibly win in the in, in win in the URC. I wonder if they might not you know rest a few players and not play their best team for that game against Racing, or do they try and see that? Do they try and maybe go for go for it for qualification? Because just going through the other matches in the Challenge Cup, it's Bristol at home against Cremont. Um, so you would probably expect Bristol to hopefully get their season going and, you know, Clermont won't necessarily be the best travelers away. You've got the informed scholars against Breve. You've got Toulon playing the Cheetahs and Toulon playing at home. Cheetahs, unfortunately, you know, going from the Griffins to Toulon, good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Stade France against Lyon in a French derby. I think both teams are probably having more than an eye on the, on, on the top 14. Benetton playing Connacht as well, the great URC derby, Glasgow against Dragons as well. Glasgow will try to keep their form up. And then um, the Lions playing Racing at home and then Cardiff playing Sale at home as well. So I don't know, maybe it might be wiser for the Lions to go, look, the Curry Cup team can have a, can have a, can, can try to play this game. Let's rest the likes of Horn and Chituka and, um, you know, the, the key players there so that we can really go for those two big matches against Leinster and Zebra next week. Russing are currently in seventh in the top 14. They just, mm-hmm. uh, it was derby round and they beat Stud Francais this weekend, but Russing in seventh. They need to be in sixth to qualify for the playoffs. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, the top eight qualify for Europe, but the top six Champions yes. Cup, I'm not sure about how that works um, in the top 14. But Russing are not sending a full strength side. There's no ways. They're yeah. gonna, there'll be a couple of big boys there, but they're not sending a full strength side. This is a chance for, for the Lions to, to beat Russing. Russing, probably, they're not having the greatest season. They've, they've won 11, um, drawn one, and lost nine. You know, they are going to be focusing on making the playoffs in the top 14. It would be diabolical if they didn't. With the side with the with the side with that money and 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 those yeah. and those players to not make the playoffs, it it would be it would be huge. They'd be shit. So, so no, are you calling Russing, them, are you calling Racing the Paris Sharks? Oh well, the Paris Toulon from five years ago. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's um you know they they won't they won't fly for that. Um, so Challenge Cup is going to be yeah. You know they'll they'll use it to bring players back that need some minutes, a couple of uh, important guys for to have as like the experience and the spine. A um, couple of youngsters they want to look at. You know stuff like that. But I I think the Lions have got a great opportunity to roll them. Um, that but that that poses other questions which you have rightfully highlighted. Um, that means next week there's playoff. Uh, following week there's there's knockouts again, and then you've got to focus on the URC. So there, you know, I uh, it would be interesting if you're going to rest if you're going to rest the your side against Racing, and you win, you then have to play your big boys in the quarterfinal. You don't you don't want to <laughs> waste that opportunity, or do you? Yeah. You know, then they're going to be off for two weeks. Because it's two weeks of, of European rugby. So do you play your full strength boys and 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 think oh shit, you know, we might actually then have to play them the following week and then for the URC the week couple of weeks after, you know, then the load becomes too much. So if you play, if you rest your guys in this round, you give them two weeks off because they're gonna play URC in three in three weekends time. 
Or if you yeah. play your big boys now, you might be forced to play them again next week. Or do you give up the quarterfinal? Nobody wants that. Yeah. And given that teams are also, I mean, I haven't really mentioned it this much, but they're also playing the Curry Cup. And obviously, especially for the Lions, who maybe um, in the case of like Cash Van Royen and the coaching staff, maybe want to have a good performance in the Curry Cup so that they can you know keep their jobs and stuff. Like it is a very difficult um balance to, to, to carry off as well. So the Lions, if they win their match against Racing, they'll be facing the winner of Glasgow and Dragons, probably Glasgow at this stage. Uh, Glasgow will probably be the home team. So they'll then travel to Scotland and then come back to Africa. So, Sean, See, I think you're, you've convinced me that maybe they should just play their best team this weekend, have a go at it. Maybe the quarterfinal, that's the one where... I wouldn't say rest the whole team, but maybe the likes, you know, your your key key players. I think you keep them at home to prepare for, you know, the Lenton Zebra matches. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So maybe let's go through very quick predictions for the last sixteen. So Toulon versus the Cheetahs. Toulon playing at home. Uh, yes, Toulon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then start if. Stade France against Lyon. Lyon are fourth in in in, in the top fourteen. Stade France are third, just a third. point ahead of them. So they very evenly matched. Uh, I I think home side wins that. It's it's a French derby, and uh, Stud lost this weekend, so I think home side wins. Okay, Benetton versus Connacht. Connacht. I'll go Benetton. I think the Italian boys didn't come back. All of them didn't come back for this match against the Lions, so I think they'll bolster the team. I, 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 I yeah, I, I think they're a dark horse to win this whole thing. Possibly. Hmm, um, Cardiff, Cardiff against the Sharks, the Sale Sharks. That is Cardiff playing at home. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think Sale win. I think I think Sale win um, because I think they're just too good at the moment. Um, Cardiff are going to be putting up. Cardiff could be, yeah. I th- I think I think Sale win that. I think Cardiff take it easy. Yeah, Cardiff is trying to fight off the other, or at least two of the other Welsh teams to try and qualify automatically for the Champions Cup because they're mm. at tenth and they're at the top of the Welsh um, shield, so. Yeah, I think they do take it easy, as you've said. One of those other teams is Scarlets. They're facing Breve. Breve are bottom of the top 14 log. I don't think if Scarlets even played their third team, Breve would let them win. And they're playing in Wales, right? Yes. Yeah, Scarlets win. And then in that um, bracket, it's Bristol against Clermont. Bristol haven't had the best season. They kind of are picking up right now. They... They they still at you know they've won seven and lost nine so it hasn't been great obviously they've made a few big signings in the off season but yeah, Clermont also not necessarily in the race for top eight in the in the top fourteen so maybe this is the way for them to qualify for the Champions Cup is to try and win mm-hmm. this because they they'll look through the rest of the competition and fancy their chances against most of the other sides. I think I think that could be the game of the weekend because I think Bristol also target the Challenge Cup to kind of save this season. So I'm going to go with a home win for Bristol. I think it will be the second away win. So I'll, I'll say Clermont in this one. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling. I have a small feeling. Nice. I think it might be a, a Clement Benetton final, but that's getting a bit ahead of myself. Warriors, Glasgow Warriors against Dragons. Glasgow just played brilliantly right now. Dragons are the Dragons. Yeah, Warriors win for me. <laughs> and then, yeah, I think you've convinced me that the Lions are going to play their first team against the Russing, you know, under, under 14s or whatever the case may be. So Lions to win <laughs> against that team. I I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I, I I reckon the Lions win. And the big question, and Cooks will be listening to this part, does Finn Russell make the trip? No. No chance. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> no, not gonna, not happening. I, I can see the tickets skyrocketing if, if, if they say breaking Finn Russell, Gail Fiku, and the boys are making it. I, I, I sense yeah, a the second boys that spring. are yeah. Yeah. No, okay, so let's think. go to the let's go to the big table, the Champions Cup, and your big matches happening all over. Just a quick preview for the South African team. So um the Stormers are facing the Harlequins in, in Cape Town at the weekend. Harlequins aren't really playing that well in the premiership. They're languishing there in eighth place. They are still in the fight for um for for, for the for to qualify for, for the Champions Cup and to qualify for the knockout, they're still within reach for the top six. But they lost that big match against Saracens at the Tottenham Stadium. Saracens basically little brother them. Yeah, because they just showed that you, know, you can do all your fancy Holocron stuff, but you know you have to play real rugby to win these things. Stormers, I mean, but they play the right amount of chaos that the Stormers will appreciate. I think this will probably be the game the weekend, you know, attraction-wise. but. I think the Stormers have to try and tighten up the game a little bit. I think it plays into the Harlequins' hands if they open the game up a bit too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll agree with you there, but I think we're in for a cracking game because the Quins have got something to prove and the Stormers are playing at home. And I think deep down, the Stormers are also going to be like, we'll show you who's the more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that just going from end to end pretty much. And yeah, also a money Libok versus Marcus Smith battle will be very interesting to watch. Mm, yeah. I think that'll be probably the game of the weekend. And then going to Durban, the Sharks are, are, are hosting Munster. Munster have the opportunity of possibly being in, in, in South Africa for the next four weeks, um, depending on how results go in, in other, in, in other um, competitions as well. So they're facing Sharks in Durban this weekend. They've got all their locks back finally. Achilles Neyman has finally made his return. And the Sharks obviously are with the walking wounded at the moment with, after their loss to, um, to, to the Scarlets. Sean, yeah, it's going to be, I think this might also be a sneaky one where Manchester, yeah, they, they, they probably fancy their chances to, to do well in this game. Absolutely. And they do want to come here and, and kind of lay down the law. They're uh, also had an iffy start to the season um, under new coaching and management and all that. They've put a couple of good games together. So they're going to be, they're really going to be traveling over probably next to the Sharks on the way back home. Uh, oh, no, that's <laughs> right. The Sharks are going, doing a round the world trip first. My bad. Munster will be flying direct. But the, um, I think Munster will really be fancying themselves. Uh, themselves for for a win this weekend and and conversely the sharks are, are going to be like 
we really, really have to have to get this back, the show back on the road. So we're in for a cracking game. And then the final um, second featuring game is the Bulls facing Toulouse in Paris. Well, not in Paris, sorry, in Toulouse. Um, yeah, I don't think it gets worse than that, really, for um, in the Champions Cup. You don't really want to go to Dublin. You don't really want to go to Toulouse um, to, to face Toulouse right there. So, I mean, the Bulls have done, you know, big shocking victories away from home last season. But, yeah, this is almost another level. Yeah. The uck, uck. Toulouse are really going to be wanting to 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 win the win the whole thing. Um, so they are going to be naming full strength. Bulls are going to be naming the strongest side they can with the squad that they have, and uh, are going to hope to be competitive. I think this is an this is an ego thing. Um, you want to be competitive. You the, whether you lose or not, you want to go. You want to get into that changing room afterwards and go. We really, really played well against one of Europeans best sides mm. so we'll see how that goes and yeah maybe the possibility of an upset there as well so let's go through the matches like we did for the champion for the challenge cup for the champions cup uh let's start at the top of the bracket leinster facing alston an irish derby leinster as we've said without johnny sexton possibly one or two others ouchies for the island players i think andrew port is also a doubt for this game and Kelleher, but and maybe Caelan Doris as well. So not quite the full Irish contingent coming back, but a lot of them will come back. Do they beat an Ulster team, which has been inconsistent at times, but have just managed to put themselves in a good position for the rest of the season? It's really hard to to get past Leinster in this, but I tell you, Ulster had the best prep this weekend um, with that win. So they are putting their hand up. Ulster very quietly moving up the URC as well. Um, yo, should I use my, <laughs> should I use my, my wild card now? Um, Ulster <laughs> to beat Leinster. Ooh, spicy. I, I don't think it's too out of the question. Like, yeah, I think there is some ingredients, um, coming together for this and look in, yeah, you whispered quietly, but I think Andy Farrell will be very happy if that is the case because that means the, his Leicester boys aren't really playing that those <laughs> that many big games for the next of the for the rest of the season. Yeah, but the the great thing for Leicester is their first team basically doesn't have to leave Dublin for the next two months because True. all of the URC games, the the knockout games are going to be in Dublin, and all of the Champions Cup games are going to be in Dublin. So. They, yeah, they, 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 they would be fine if they had to stay and, and play these games. So yeah, I'll still go Leinster, but yeah, the Austin, Austin pick is not a bad pick. At all. The other side of that bracket is Leicester Tigers playing against Edinburgh. Leicester Tigers having a bit of a so-so up and down season, but uh, a player I'm sure you've heard of if you're a South African, Andre Pollard, just seems, seems to be playing in the form of his life right now, really playing really well. And Edinburgh, they've just really sunk quite badly. They're 13th in the URC. They're just not playing well at all. So probably an easy Leicester win here at home. Yeah, I'm super impressed with Pollard's form over the last four or five games as well. Um, it's very important for the Springboks, let alone Leicester. But yeah, Leicester, Leicester, Leicester to take this one. Yeah, just quickly on Pollard. Is it just a matter of, you know, just him getting confidence and consistent, consistently playing? Because he didn't necessarily have that in Montpellier because he was playing mostly at centre. 
So he's just really being able to, you know, build the team around himself. Yeah, there's a couple of things to it. I think there were a couple of long-term injury issues that he's sorted out. Um, but it's all come together with fitting into the Leicester Tigers approach. He really is the right man for the job for Tigers and the way that they play. Um, and that's all come together with him coming back from injury, um, also hitting hitting some good form as well, um, and really enjoying the premiership environment. So I think, you know, it's great for Leicester, but more importantly, it's great for the Springboks. Okay, so Leicester winning Leicester, sorry, winning that game, and then they'll face the um similarly named cousins from Ireland. Toulouse versus the Bulls. Toulouse. Next. Yeah, I, I, I can't even convince myself of that. Sharks versus Munster in Durban. Oh. I'm stuck between head and heart here, and they're both kind of fighting with each other <laughs> because I don't. The Sharks are going to win. The Sharks are going to come right, and they're going to win, and they're going to salvage this season. Look, yeah, I think I'll use my surprise card in this game and say Munster. Shocks the Sharks in Durban and hopefully maybe in some ways helps the Sharks to try and yeah, sort themselves out cool. for the URC. So yeah, maybe Munster does them a favor in the long term. But yeah, I, I Munster also just have that, yeah, I don't know what you call it, but that's cup, you know, history and, and tradition. So they they probably are the team that knows best how to win and win in these games. So I, I can imagine them doing it even in Durban in a humid Durban as well. Then on the other side of the draw, you have La Rochelle facing Gloucester. Gloucester, you know, they, they, they've been a very attractive team. They're playing really nice rugby in premiership, um, but then they haven't really converted those attractive games to wins, being at ninth. La Rochelle, they, yeah, they've, they've basically been chugging along quite well. And they, they're one of the top seeds. They're quite close to Toulouse in the top 14. they are looking to defend their title. Yeah, I Gloucester not in great form at the moment, but La Rochelle also got a point to prove and 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 playing at home, we can't underestimate the French sides at home. Um they they're a different they're a different beast. Um so yeah, La Rochelle probably gonna take this one comfortably for me. Okay, and then that other game in that in that bracket is Saracens versus Ospreys. Ospreys did really well in the in the pool stages, beating I think Montpellier and Leicester and Saracens or Saracens. Top of the log in England. All the English players are back. You saw how angry they were against Harlequin. So I, I'd probably predict the Saracens win here. Yes, it would be one of the upsets of the weekend if Ospreys would. It really would. Like they're they're great and in great form, but they're not they're not Saracens good. Yeah, and I think. Those um, England players for Saracens have a few points to prove and to shut a few um, a few critics up. Then a weird game between two teams that aren't really in the best form and are maybe in transition. Exeter versus Montpellier. I I think half the Exeter team is going to Montpellier next season. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not sure how to predict this game at the moment. They, Exeter's playing at home. Montpellier is like ninth, I think, in the top 14. They've just fallen off a cliff of their form. But they have, you know, the big guns in that team that can really turn a game around here. So what do you think, Sean? Matt, I don't know. I, 
Watching Exeter yesterday, I was, uh, I mean, Bath, it was a great performance by Bath and I'm so glad. Um, But Exeter have really dropped off in the last three years. Like really. You you say Montpellier have fallen off a cliff this season. Exeter have done it over the last three seasons. They've just really not, Mm. they're not that side anymore. Um, I think Montpellier could, uh, could sneak this and pile on the woes. Yeah, I think it's one of those. It also seems like Exeter just are going to end their era on more of a Wampa than a bang. So I can I can see them losing. Hopefully that in a way helps them. I think both teams would actually not mind not being in the Champions Cup so they can focus on qualifying for next season. So it'll be interesting to see how, how both of them go. But then on the other side of the bracket, because the other reason for that is... <laughs> the winner of that game probably has to travel to Cape Town for the next week because they'll have to face the Stormers and they're facing Harlequins, as we mentioned. The battle of the attractive rugby um, rugby teams, Smith versus Lebok, Don Brown versus Daimani. You've got a lot of those matchups happening, Marla versus Kitsoff as well. But yeah, Sean, who wins? So if you are right and Ruan Null is back, then Stormers win. If Ruan Null is not back, then Harlequins win. Oh, okay. I think that's a that's a that's a big call. I yeah, I'm hoping it's a Stormers win because me too. I am hoping that might that, be the yeah yeah, and it might be the only home games we see. Um, in the actually, I made a mistake. The Chiefs do have a higher seeding than the Stormers, so if, if the Chiefs win, they will then host the Stormers in the quarterfinals. So hopefully, Montpellier wins so that the Stormers can play two weekends. Um, in, in Cape Town and, and try to really make a push for the semi-final. But yeah, Sean, I think those are big games to look forward to um, the weekend. And then just a quick shout out on for the Women's Six Nations and the Women's Box, women's box Team. So the Women's Six Nations, um, big shout out to Sarah Hunter, who has um, retired after 14 years playing for England, 140 odd caps. I think she's the highest capped um, women's player for England, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, she played her last game at home in Newcastle, and yeah, was a, the the England won that quite easily against Scotland, fifty eight points to seven. Wales also winning thirty one points to five against Ireland. Great game for Wales, um, beating you know just learning from you know how they played in the in the in, in the World Cup last year, and then France won a game in basically torrential rain, twenty two points to twelve against Italy. So it seems like things are going relatively to form right now. Sean, yeah, just a quick word on the Six Nations. Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch a lot. Um, so I just kind of picked up what I, what I saw on, on some socials and, and whatnot. But I think, um, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm loving how the tournament has unfolded it by playing it on its own, the standalone. There have been some great results, but also some great support. Um, it's becoming... A beast on its on its own, which is which is great for the mm. women's game, um, and uh, hopefully it flows into the rest of the of the women's games in in the world around. You know, um, but yeah, it's ex- it's exciting. The Six Nations is is great. It doesn't matter whether you're watching the men's, the women's, or the under twenties. It's flipping world class. Yeah, and then not on the best note to end off, but the women's ball team played in Madrid this weekend against Canada. Canada obviously finished. 
um, in the in the semifinals in the regular cup. So they're obviously a really good team, even though they're not professional yet. Um, Canada won six points to seven, but this is after an early red card um, in the second minute for the box for for Katha Jacobs for a dangerous tackle. He also lost um, as they say Hele to to injury during the first half, um, and then just things didn't go well from there. So they lost sixty six points to seven. I guess it's one of those games where you just are probably learning more about what the top standard is more so than um, you know able to take much more from that. Yeah, um, it's tough after the World Cup. Um, you know, to we were hoping obviously for more. Um, I didn't realize that we'd lost um, a Cesar Hele in the game, but I, I did see the um, the early red card, which is not great against Canada. Um, they're they're quite a they're a very strong side. So yeah, we've got another game coming up this week, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I'm yes. glad that that the ladies are getting out and playing. And I think that's the most important thing, yeah. like going out, touring doing stuff, doing professional stuff, because that's what we need. We need the side to experience. We, we blooded four, four new players. Um, I think there were three uh, on debut starting and one off the bench. So it's, it's great. It's great to see. Um, and long may it continue. Yeah. And also new coaching staff and everything. So yeah, it's a new era for the women's box team, but that is it for the rugby bits episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Please um, like and, and and follow us on all the social media pages and like and share this rugby podcast with the rest of the rugby world as well. And subscribe and download all of our episodes as well. And yeah, we're so excited to talk about you know the next few weeks of um, big rugby there in, in, in the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. And we will see you and talk to you about all of that later as well.